Hey, Charlie, this is Dr. Richard Natale from Inside the Man Cave. Thanks for listening in to learn about some more important men's health topics. If you want to learn more information on your own, you can visit my website at www.charlottemenshealth.com. That's charlottemenshealth.com. Or call me at 704-227-8677. That's 704-227-8677. We are inside the Man Cave I got my new homie, Dr. Natalie, hanging with me. Number to the show for any questions, 704-227-8677. On our first show, if you missed it, we actually talked about prostate cancer and um, some of the side effects of prostate cancer treatment and urinary leakage is one of the common uh, side effects of prostate treatment. During today's episode Inside the Man Cave with Dr. Natalie, this is what we're talking about. We wanted to spend more time answering questions about urinary leakage because uh it's 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 real so doc how common is urinary leakage so you got to look at it this way first of all when you're looking at prostate cancer right and you're looking at prostate cancer surgeries whether it's radiation where they you know kill the prostate or we've taken them out you can see a rate of leakage anywhere as little as just a few percentage points or all the way up to 30 percent of men will have some troubles so the big thing is to find out what the source is, what type of leakage you have. Now, this doesn't apply to guys who have prostate enlargements, different type of kind of thing where we might leak. So it's important to understand that if we're going to go into the leakage from a side effect from surgery, what's your surgery? What did you have going on? And what type of leakage? The other thing to know is that uh, leakage can be broken up into two categories. There's one where we cough, laugh, and sneeze, and we leak. And there's the other one where you feel you got to go pee right now, you can't hold it. Those are two different types of leakage too. Okay. What causes a man to leak the urine? So let's say we had the surgery, for example, which is probably the most common thing I'll see is, is a surgeon, what I do, how I fix people. Um, when they take out the prostate for prostate cancer, it kind of changes the anatomy in the pelvic area. Um, we're kind of used to having a prostate there, obviously, as men. And without it, we kind of changes the position of things which may cause leakage and or there could be damage to the nerves or muscles that are down there. And what winds up happening is that they, they, they control like the whole, hey man, uh, there's someone walking in the bathroom with a gun, I better stop my pee stream, run out. You can't do it anymore. Those muscles get weak. So and so you mentioned the muscles uh, down there getting weak. Is there any way we can uh, strengthen those muscles without medication or doing it a more natural way? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like the same thing. I know we were talking about exercise before, mm-hmm. lifting and things. You can actually do rehab, physical rehab down there. So you know that, again, that muscle is squeezing. We'll sometimes, in guys who've had sur- who are going to have prostate cancer surgery, you tell them, start squeezing the muscle now before your surgery and then start squeezing it afterwards mm-hmm. to build up that strength. And that may help. Now, what muscle are you talking about? That's the, they call it the Kegel muscle. The so. Kegel muscle, where's it located? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that that's in between the uh, the front and the back, so to speak, uh-huh. right? So that, that's that pelvic muscles. They're in the base of our of our pelvis, right in between our, our hip bones. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's like a sling of muscles in our pelvis that we actually can control. Mm-hmm. So, and it's called the Kegel muscle. Yeah. So is it, does it works by contracting your uh, glutes or? It's kind of like that. If you you know, it's interesting because if you contract the glutes, you're you're targeting the wrong areas. Mm-hmm. So really, is that idea of you know, and we can all do this. So the next time you go to go pee, stop peeing. Make yourself stop. Squeeze your muscles and make it stop midstream. That's the muscle. That's the muscle. Okay. So 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 to paint a perfect picture, yeah. guys, if you're if you're in the bathroom peeing 
and you stop your urine flow, that muscle is what you're contracting. Um, That's right. And how many contractions do we have to do, like, to get that muscle to actually strengthen? So you you don't want to overdo it, right? Because mm-hmm. we can actually kind of overdo it. But you're looking at doing. I usually will tell people, you pull up to red light, do a series of like ten, squeeze them, hold for a couple seconds, let go. I just did one right now, and just do that a couple times right to your red light. And if you do that a couple times a day, two, three, four times a day, that should be pretty good. So, fellas, make sure you put kegeling in your workout as you're as you're in the gym. And no one will be able to tell you're doing. <laughs> So what? Um, back onto the subject of uh, urinary leakage. Would a man ever begin leaking um, urine without prostate cancer treatment? Yeah, you can. I mean, there's there are other reasons why they can get it. I mean, spinal cord injury patients can have stuff. Um, you know, other surgeries. They've had colon surgery. Other other cancers that affect them. You can see stuff uh, with prostate enlargement. That's a big thing. So guys who feel like, oh man, I can't hold it. I I get up five times a night and I can't hold it. My my pee streams weak that can cause it too somebody just texted me and said can you explain kegeling one more time for yeah, him yeah so <laughs> it, it, I, I i'm not gonna show you there's no show yeah, sure because that's gonna be a little weird and that could get us in trouble i think at some point but all you got to do is really go to the bathroom start start peeing let yourself relax and start peeing but then when you're in the midst of it all, squeeze that muscle real tight and cut that off. And we all know we can do that. Once you do that, that's you're engaging those muscles that help the Kegel exercises. You got it? You got it. Whoever just takes me talking about what yeah. Kegeling is. <laughs> hey, can you ask the doc what Kegeling is one more time? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? All right. How long after prostate cancer treatment you would treat a man's leakage? So if a man comes into the office, first of all, I kind of reassure him ahead of time. So look you're gonna have some leakage in the beginning, there's no question. So when, when the surgery's done for the cancer and they, re, they kinda bring everything back together again, they let it heal over a catheter for a week, okay? So guys come in, they get the catheter out, I tell them, look, about 100% of people are gonna be leaking in the beginning. Do the Kegel exercises, give it time, let it, let it get better. After about a year, and even sometimes if patients are real reluctant, up to two years, We'll ask them to continue those exercises and monitor their leakage, and you can still see some improvement. So how long typically, um, through your experience and pract- of, of this practice, how long does the leaking um, usually last? I mean, I've seen some guys get severe, really, really bad leakage from the beginning and never changes, and that's pretty unusual. You're looking at single percentage chances. But I'll tell you what, on the flip side, I've seen guys who have very mild leakage, and what they're considered dry, they're really not. So for example, going to the gym. Of guys who say, oh man, I'm dry all the time, except if I go to do you know something in the gym and lift weights, and then I'll leak a little bit. I don't think that's dry, but they're, they're being told it's dry because they're not as wet as, they, as other people think they should be. So I, you, know, you can see that, and when you start asking that question, it's a lot more common. Okay, common. okay, got you. What treatment options are available for um, a man who's leaking um, if it doesn't get better after his prostate cancer treatment? So, you know, definitely do the, the, the physical therapy stuff we talked about. So you do the kegels, and sometimes we'll even send patients to literally, like PT, physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Like, here, let's, let's get those muscles trained better. That's kind of the first step. But once you get into the point where it's like, hey, you know what, the, this is really bothersome, things are getting better, there's really two options for it. For it. The first is something called a male sling which kind of gives you a repositioning of that urine channel. The whole concept I told you earlier about changing the anatomy, kind of push it back in the right position, that can help. Or, and some guys who are pretty significant, will put a, a pump called the sphincter in there. Mm. 
is there any discomfort when it comes to the to the leakage? You know, the biggest thing is in, in you know, we've we've had talks about, you know, fixing ED, for example, and that while that messes with people upstairs and kind of, you know, makes you feel bad, this makes them feel awful. When you're leaking, and I've had men who are in diapers, I mean, they're, they're in full adult diapers leaking a tremendous amount, and it really just affects you in every way. There's guys who don't want to go to church anymore, don't want to go to social events, don't want to leave the house because they're leaking in diapers. You spoke on, um, we spoke on some ways to help with the leakage. And as a man, you know, when we see a leak, we want to put something over it. (laughs) I didn't think it was possible to put something over your penis to stop the leakage. Like, I don't know, a a Band-Aid or something. But are there anything anything like that to stop the leakage, something you can put on the tip or? Yeah, there's a thing, there's an old school thing called a Cunningham clamp. And there's still some doctors who are doing this with patients who are leaking. And it's literally uh, like almost like a clothespin on the end and it holds it all in. And I know about you, I don't really want to wear it every day, but that's one of the treatment options that some people get, and that can be pretty uncomfortable. Well, are there any side effects of the clamp or anything? Well, the biggest side effects for me as a surgeon is it can kind of change the anatomy, can stretch things out. So I try to tell patients who are being managed with it, I go, you got to stop it. If you're going to come in and you can get surgery to fix your problem, don't use it anymore. Um, but if you're talking about in a day-in and day-out basis, it lets the urine kind of pool and collect in the urine channel. You can get infections or discomfort mm-hmm. with it. So. And speak on the catheter for me. I, that's about the least. <laughs> the least best option, man. I would not want that at all. Describe that. Put a paint a picture for paint a visual for the listeners oh, for the man, people that's dude. listening for the catheter. So, this is this is gonna be a tube in a place you don't want the tube in. It's gonna oh, hang out man. all the time there. Yeah, that's it's awful. That's worse than getting the trimix. <laughs> yeah, it's worse than getting needles, man. I, I just you know, it, there's gonna always be a patient who needs it, right? There's always gonna be someone who has to have it managed that way. But <sighs> if you can avoid that, that avoid it. I can only imagine how painful to have it stuck in you and you have to walk around all day. What's one of the, what's some risks there are involved when using the catheter? So with the catheters, you can get infections. Okay. That's a big risk. You can actually get a condition where over time you get what's called erosion. It can kind of cut through the skin. Oh yeah. It's awful. Um, And I think those are the two biggest things that that I worry about is in this erosion stuff can, I mean, I've seen, I've seen poor guys who are Almost split the penis in half. Wait a minute, in half? In half. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's it's pretty impressive. That sounds painful. It is. Now you mentioned the sling earlier. Uh, explain one more time how the sling works. Okay, so the sling. You, you're going to hear the dreaded word mesh, but this isn't the same thing you're thinking about. You hear all these stories, but it's this piece of tissue mesh that we put in there to reposition the urine channel, give it's more natural position in the body. And, it, and what the way it works is then kind of scar tissue fills in that gap and keeps things supported so that in this new position, the urine is controlled better, more like you had before the surgery. Which patient do you recommend the sling for? That, that's a big thing. So not everybody's going to be a candidate for it. So you got that's where, you know, people hear like, oh, I don't want any mechanical parts. I want to get this. You know. You could use it more significant cases, but those patients don't get as dry. And, you know, it's kind of like 
you're going to need to have something else done anyway. So it's typically in more of the mild to moderate guys that aren't really wetting a whole lot, but they want to be, they really want to be dry altogether. So. And you you did mention earlier that uh, the sling is something that has to be surgically implanted. How, how does that surgery process work? So the biggest thing is outpatient surgery. So you're going to go home the same day, um, we'll make an incision underneath where the, the, as we may affectionately know in the areas, the taint, they say, but the area <laughs> in between the rectal area and the scrotum, we make an incision there. We're able to pass this device through the kind of internal part of our thighs. We put the sling in and send you home 30, 40 minutes. You can't walk after that, right? No, you can, you can walk. Yeah. What you can do is you can't squat. So, for example, so let's say, God forbid, you had to do it on you. I would tell you, be cautious about squatting in the gym. Don't lift anything heavy initially after the surgery. Not forever, but the first several weeks afterwards. Because I do leg day three days a week. It's good that you do leg day. Some guys, you know, you see the guys who got the little, right? I call them, yeah, I call them the triangle, up, upside down triangle body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bodies look awful in the gym. Yeah, you got to do, do little legs. I'm right like, there. excuse me, sir, get it arms yesterday. And as you can tell, people ask my opinion all the time about that. Yeah, right? yeah. Just, that's how I look, right? Yeah. yeah. Hey, Charlotte, this is Dr. Richard Natali from Inside the Man Cave. Um, I think you need to go to edcure.org, which is a great resource to learn more about the topics we just talked about regarding erectile dysfunction, the various treatment options that are available to men. You can find some upcoming educational events about this as well when you get on that website, and you can even talk to patients who've gone through that same journey. Again, the website is www.edcure.org. So no squatting after surgery. How long is the surgery? Usually 30 to 45 minutes, maybe an hour kind of thing. Depends on patient's anatomy. Is there any reason why a patient um, would not be a good candidate for the sling surgery? Uh, the biggest reason is some patients who have prostate cancer need radiation. Mm. And if they have leakage, I do not do that surgery in someone who's had radiation. Now, tell my people who are listening more about radiation. So radiation, we kind of talked about this other shows about the prostate cancer. So sometimes either you need radiation after your prostate's been removed because it's kind of more aggressive and you need to kind of clean up things, so to speak, or radiation can be the, the one thing you do get. And I kind of say it changes the grape into a raisin, dries up the prostate tissue, it kills the cancer. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. Now, after the surgery, how long until a man sees improvement in his leakage after the sling uh, surgery? Yeah, so the sling surgery should be immediate. You're going to wear, most of us are going to keep a catheter in patients overnight. The next morning it's going to come out and you should see it immediately. Insurance. I know it's covered by insurance, especially my insurance. I got the best insurance in the world. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> like me, too. <laughs> uh, so it's covered by most of our insurance. And how expensive uh, is the surgery, the sling surgery? So there's always going to be some kind of out-of-pocket expense for most people. So when we talk to patients about it, there's going to be, you know, the copay they say. But for the most part, I've I have yet to see someone who's been denied coverage on this type of surgery. So it should be covered pretty well. The last treatment option we're going to talk about today, we're hanging out with Dr. Natali inside of the man cave. Uh, questions, any concerns, feel free to call the show 704-227-8677. Doc, the final one, the artificial urinary sphincter. Is that how you say Sphincter, yeah. Sphinc sphincter. Oh, the PH does make an F sound, <laughs> Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Sphincter. sphincter. <laughs> Tell us how the sphincter works. The sphincter is cool. This is another device. It was made almost 50 years ago. So this, yeah, man, it's just this, this urologist went into a garage basically with a couple of, of engineers and said, I want to build this. 
and I want to build this device that helps keep men dry. Now, 50 years ago, the surgery is a lot rougher. More, you know, <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, nowadays, it's an outpatient surgery. It's pretty quick, usually under an hour, the same thing. And it's a, it has three parts to it. So there's a little cuff that wraps around the P-tube, holds, it, it acts like those Kegel muscles now, so it keeps control all the time. There's a small pump that goes in the sac. You press that, that pump opens up, and what it does is it drains fluid temporarily into this little balloon we put near your bladder. The fluid opens up, the cuff opens, okay, and you're able to pee, and then it fills back on its own in about a minute or so. And there you go, you're dry. Now, um, which patient will be good for the yeah. sphincter? So the patients, the, the ones that are kind of more severe, they're leaking like crazy, or the ones who had radiation. If you're leaking because of the radiation therapy, or you've had, you know, you're in three, four pads a day kind of thing, you're gonna wanna have a sphincter instead. So for the people who are watching right here, if the sphincter was on here, what would it be? All right, so we're gonna, we're gonna show you some, some surprising yeah. things. Oh, yeah. So this is, this is a model for a penile implant, but if you're gonna do a sphincter, it's gonna be right underneath the skin here in the sac. You wouldn't even be able to tell it's there. Oh, yeah. Okay. Is it? Uh, is it by any chance painful, uncomfortable, displeasant? You know, this one's going to be a little bit easier because there's smaller incisions. You know, the the cuff is pretty small. It could be some post-op pain, but once you overcome all that and you you're healing and all the rest, it's it's straightforward. No, it's not painful. And what's the time difference from the sling surgery and the U A U S surgery? Yeah. So the A U S and artificial urinary sphincter. That one you're going to have to wait six weeks we want to let stuff heal up so unfortunately one of the things that's kind of sucks about that is you gotta wait for you to heal and you'll be wet for about six weeks or so until everything's healed up before we turn it off now like i said if if i'm getting the aus and i like to work out does that does that mean that i'm out for six weeks or no working out or anything well i'm gonna i'm gonna have people take it easy at their first two weeks see how you're healing and then i gotta be a little bit cautious with what you do i, I kind of don't want you displacing anything um, but i would usually say let, let's see you back in the two-week visit and start gradually gradually increasing your exercise and activity. What type of exercise we shouldn't do once we receive this surgery? Your biggest things, it's only in the time of healing squats. So you don't want to lift your leg really high up. Like for example, guys who have high trucks, got to be a little bit more cautious. I hate to say it, you might have to actually use a step stool oh, to get in oh. at least the first few weeks afterwards. And the same thing with squatting. You don't want to you don't want to do a deep squat to pick stuff up. You don't want to pull anything out of position. Now, I know there are different uh, recovery times an improvement on the leakage that that differentiates from coping with the past, the penile clamps, the sling, and the catheter. Uh, how long is it when a man sees improvement on leakage after the artificial urinary sphincter? So once you get, once you're able to get it activated. So this thing has a pump; it's locked open in the first six weeks. But once you get it activated, you'll be dry. So that's a six-week period of time to heal. As soon as that thing is activated, we turn it on in the office, you're good to go and you're driving. How expensive is this surgery? Oh, same thing. It's covered by insurance. Covered so by insurance. I really have yet to ever come across a case where someone's insurance wouldn't cover something like that. We're hanging out with Dr. Natalie inside of the band cave. If you have any questions, feel free to call the show, 704-227-8677. Now, Doc, is there, uh, for the people that's listening that didn't get a chance to hear this earlier, what um, what demographic is the ED most affected on the most? Yeah, so you're going to start seeing guys in their 40s, 50s getting it. And by 50 years old, about half of men may report some degree of erectile dysfunction. That's going to be the first thing. 
The second one's gonna look at diabetics. So diabetics will get it earlier, more significant than others. And people who are smokers, we have medications and so on and so forth that are related to things like high blood pressure. So those are really the, the ages and what it really hits is those guys starting in their 40s. So I know I know uh, a lot of most, most men, they, they put it off, they put the doctor visits off. What if it's too late, Doc? What happens when it's too late? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, it's never too late to get these things fixed. That's number one. Where it is too late is identifying the problems that are there behind it all. So I've had, I, I had a few years ago a guy who's a diabetic who admitted to me, he goes, you know, man, I, I've never took care of myself. I didn't control it. And he was disappointed when we had to go all the, we did do surgery to get him back to being able to function. But he was a young guy, he was in his 30s. And he said, you know, man, I wish when I had my diabetes diagnosed in my teens that I would have paid more attention. I could have prevented problems. So that's when, you know, it's the too late from that regards. Don't let stuff build up. Come in early, get checked, get evaluated, get screened, whatever the troubles are. And we can walk through it, man. We can we can get you to, to live what I said to Q the other day is live your best life. Absolutely. Yeah. And has there ever been a time men come to you just for the information and uh, further research on erectile dysfunction or prostate cancer? All, all the time. All the time. I get guys that want to sit down and talk. I mean, I, I try to do a lot of community events, too, but but where I, where I don't have to be in the office necessarily. But when I go and start talking to these guys that come in, absolutely. If it's just us shooting the breeze and kind of getting to know each other and me kind of educating you, I'm happy to do it. Dr. Natalia, it's been a pleasure. It's been an honor to have you in here, uh, given the knowledge to the people that's watching, to the listeners. Um, man, can't wait to have you come on again. Come on yeah, the show again. I'm looking forward to it, man. We're inside of the Man Cave with Dr. Natalie. I'm B Notes. This is Fox Sports Charlotte Radio. If you have any questions, feel free to call the Man Cave up, 704-227-8677. Leave a message on the voicemail. QCB is going to take care of you. B Notes is going to take care of you. Dr. Natalie is going to take care of you more than anything. All right? Yo, stick around. We got some more after the show. It's Fox Sports Charlotte. You're listening to Inside the Man Cave with Dr. Natalie of Carolina urology partners to learn more about some of the men's health topic we've been discussing on the show visit the website charlottemenshealth.com or if you like to schedule an appointment or have a question that you want dr natalie to answer on inside the man cave feel free to give us a call at 704-227-8677